0: Right, Beyonders. Welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. We have a great show for you today. I am your host, Justin. We are joined by Dan and Jason, co-hosts of this podcast. Welcome to the show, guys. We're happy to have you here. Yep. Greetings, I was, everyone. Just, I was just
1: thinking we need to we should add some new games into the like montage there at the beginning.
0: Dude, <laughs> I was I was kind of thinking the same thing. Yeah. It's been I a thought, while since we did that.
2: I thought the exact same thing. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's, that's awkward
0: maybe it's time for uh you know opening credit refresh yeah Yeah. it would you know
2: it could be kind of weird not to have one of those games be war cry by the way just yeah
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) i mean (laughs) maybe we need a new war cry war cry intro right i don't know so all right things to work okay i'll add that to the list things to work on yeah but uh yeah we got a good show today uh we are going to talk about a little known game at least i assume it's a little known cuz i hadn't heard about it very much before um and I, and since i am clearly the barometer of well and little known games uh this is a this is a little known game uh called ISS Vanguard Jason received this game for christmas and we had a chance to play it over the weekend and we're coming at you with our report thumbs up thumbs down gladiator roman empire style you know what are we coming at it with yeah. so it's going to be excellent and uh let's get into it but, but first of course we must start with our geek week dan kick us off with the geek week sir
2: all right i want everyone to go back at the episode where we talked about new year's resolutions and which I was already... only
0: like one episode ago if Next we are not counting episodes. the winning or christ yeah, yeah exactly two weeks two ago two weeks, weeks. ago
2: I already failed hard fail on the not buying stuff thing. Now, look, I've got I've got a rationalization for this. First Uh of all, how many of us have had a New Year's resolution and have tripped the first couple weeks and then got right back on the horse? So I'm trying not to spend money on games. However, my son and I love um, Super Fantasy Brawl. And one of our favorite online retailer has the had the statues that go on the board. You can't really see them Mm -hmm. because my my lights really bright. There you go. Um and the MSRP for 25 bucks. And I got it for five bucks. So
1: five bucks.
2: Yeah, for five bucks. A really good deal. These are gonna be a lot of fun to paint. They're 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 not minis. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. And the sculpts, I love, you know, I love the sculpts for this game. they have so much. I just love everything about it. So I got that. And uh, you know, with our favorite online retailer, if you spend a hundred dollars, you get free shipping. So I was since I spent five dollars to get free shipping, I had to spend another ninety-five. So <laughs> I had another I had another good reason to do that. Okay. I listen, I, I'm not on the winning war cry sessions because I'm such a noob and I don't have anything to contribute. I really don't. So I, but I listened to them and mm-hmm. you were talking to the other Dan that the, the other Dan who swaps in for me in the alternate universe right. of Warcry. Bizarro Dan, Bizarro Dan. And you guys had talked about, uh, it came up, blood Rack Medusa's came up in the conversation. And mm-hmm. that was like a trigger word for my spending freakishness. Cause I have most of the, I have almost all, I have a big percentage of the minis for that, uh, for the, the, the daughters of Cain but I don't have like the lead best figure in the war band. And I know that when they look at the war bands, they don't, they don't care whether or not you have all the models. The, the war band points are, are based off of each other a little bit. So mm-hmm. I figured, you know what? I went and found one on eBay. I need to glue it up and paint it. It should be great. And then, because I was on a kick, I ended up getting for, uh, I ended up getting Varengarde, uh, these these uh, mounted guys. I got these Vanguard guys. This was my other uh, online retailer purchase to get to a hundred dollars. Because the other thing is, is I've been haphazardly buying warbands that are all these bespoke warbands that are just really slow and tanky guys, and they just chug along. And they're almost all in chaos. So Dark Oath Savagers, Iron Golems, uh, Untamed Beasts, and they all need cavalry. They all need a writing cavalry piece that can get around the board uh, to swap in. So now I have Slaves to Darkness. Uh, I've got these guys. And then I realized I should probably get some more minis to go with these minis in their Warband. I haven't done that.
0: I've thought about it, but I haven't their gateway drug into the into darkness right? Like faction. Tough, right so i was yeah. like
2: oh, these guys are awesome who are the guys who are supposed to help these their guys?
1: models are so cool i love the vanguard models
2: oh yeah. so worth i've not glued these up or painted them i already know worth every penny. i just know you're gonna have some choices when
1: you open that box on how you configure them
2: well there's three weapons and if 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 i was playing age of Sigmar, i'd have to give them all the same weapon for them to operate together as a unit right but for Warcry, you could give one the axe and one the spear and one the sword, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's also the, um, I don't remember the names off my head, but there's like the Doom Knight. There's like the hero configuration, which is what you're probably yeah. going to want because then you yeah. can ally them in.
2: That's what yeah. I want. Yep. I'm going to yep. do ally configuration.
0: Yeah, worst comes to worst, even if he has the Doom Knight helmet or whatever, you can still count him as a regular one if you're building your list.
1: And I don't know anyone that would say that's not a Doom night. Right, know.
2: exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah totally. <clears throat> well, I, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good about gluing these things up. So I just want to share some stats here. 38.5% yeah. um, of U.S. adults set New Year's resolutions every year. Uh, 23% quit within the first week. And only 36% make it past the first month. I had 9% successfully keep the news resolution. So I just thought I'd throw those stats out, you know, so. Uh,
2: you just want to take salt and rub <laughs> it in my wounds. Huh? You're trying to demoralize me. You don't want me to get on my varengard horse to get back on the Varengard horse. You know, I like, am. They're like lizard I, dragon horses too. They're weird. Looking.
0: I am a little worried about facing off against some Varengard because they are pretty beefy. So, you know. Well, we'll have it's to play, gonna... Justin. Yes, yes, we will. We'll have yes, to we play.
2: Will. All right, the other geek thing we did a couple weeks ago was, um, we've talked about Outer Rim a lot. Outer Rim is when you're either a bounty hunter or smuggler or like a, a jack-of-all-trades kind of character in Star Wars, and you mess around the Outer Rim and you travel around and go on adventures and find people and take in bounties and move cargo around. It's it's a great gateway game for people who are maybe not very gamery. Um, you know, we had a, a new guy come to our congregation and, and, and Sean and I had decided that we were going to play that night. We randomly invited him and we also invited our buddy John and we just had a really nice time. You don't have to be that big of a, a gamer-y gamer guy. To, to, it, it's a pretty good gateway game. Um, it f- realized he's in the uh, Secret Service. So we were playing Star Wars with the Secret Service guy. Um, one of the reasons I bring this up is because I've been playing this game a lot. And I got a couple of the rules wrong. And the beauty of playing a game with John is he'll point that out to you. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll say, Dan, I, I think you're playing that rule wrong. I think you're doing that absolutely wrong. And you have to have the humility when you play with, with people to go, oh, maybe I'm doing that wrong. Let me go check the rule book. Oh, my gosh. So I'm a big fan of pressing pause mentally, going and checking the rule book and saying, oh, okay. Now I will do it right for now on. Or for this game, we're going to do it this way, you know, or we're definitely just going to do a house rule contained to this this game, but make it be a make it be a clear house rule, not like a, oh, this is what we thought the book said. So um a lot of times we learn how to play games from other people and we we can absorb their misreading of the rule. And I I had realized that I had misread the reading of a couple of rules from the first guy that I played that game with. So anyway, rules matter and it makes the game more balanced and fun and interesting, by the way. so and, And then some of your house rules that you thought wouldn't make things worse in certain ways just suddenly do. And you're like, oh, oh, I messed up the game balance with my house rule because I was reading the original rules wrong. So it's fun. Anyway, play your games with different people so you can compare and contrast your interpretation of the rules is my it's my takeaway there. That was geek week, week. or that was a couple of geek weeks. Most of that stuff happened over the last couple of weeks. Sounds
0: good sounds good. Jason, how was your geek week?
1: Um, I had a good one my um for Christmas my kids got me this little uh, knockoff game boy which is really an SNES Atari emulator. Oh, so wow. they bought me, they legitimately bought me an illegitimate device.
2: Uh-oh. <laughs> what there are like
1: 168 little like Atari and NES games in here. And there are like tons of them are like clone, like Chinese knockoffs. Right. Like, you know, I'm like, I remember this game. And then after a few minutes, I'm like, this is River City Ransom. I'm mean, like, but it's like totally like not River City Ransom. Like this like, is River City Ransom.
0: You know, or, it's like Oceanville. Yeah, you know, buyback. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's it's something something crazy. Like what do they call it? They call it. Uh, uh, hold on. Uh, oh, what are they? Yeah, I don't know. It's dumb. But there's like 168 games on this. I'm just browsing through this little thing. 168 games. Hot Blood Story. It's called Hot Blood Story.
0: That doesn't sound like a Chinese knockoff title at all.
1: No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, you know, I put it next to my bed, which was a bad idea, because at night I'll grab it and uh, turn it on. And next thing I know, I've got like, you know, like an hour has gone by and I'm playing all these little games. Like Double Dragon and Ninja Turtles Two and Chippendale and Rescue Rangers, all those SNES, and then there's they've even got like Dig Dug, you know, those old Atari games are on there. Um, so that's uh, that was that's been consuming a little bit of my time. There, my, my I remember I opened it. And my son was like, my son was like, we legitimately bought this off Amazon. I'm like, I don't
2: think. That
1: <laughs> But thank you. It, it, it's the thought that counts.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you feel like you have to say that, you you know you may you may be suspicious of its acquisition. Yeah. you know maybe yeah. maybe
2: you could put a link in the show notes for other people to also get one of those. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, they can find their own. But uh, <laughs> well, yeah, how many uh, games
2: was it? Did you say
1: 168? eight?
2: One hundred sixty eight. Wow. That's
1: a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 168. 68. And you know what's crazy is um, I'm finding that I know all of these games. <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like every
1: every day I'm like I'm going to a different one, you know, and I'm like I'm like no, I've played this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Some of these games like it's got some really old classics like Puyo which is like a comp one I played on the Commodore 128 back in the day. Oh, wow. Oh uh, which gosh. I think had an Atari release, which is why. But anyways, yeah, so that, that's that been fun. Uh, uh, pretty fun there. So that's probably been the biggest thing. Um, I did. My brother um, had a birthday party last week. Let's see. What day is it? Yeah, last week. And so we came over and played some games at his house. And speaking of house rules, Dan, um, him and his daughters, they wanted to play Secret Hitler. Uh, so his brother, his brothers are over there and his brothers host a game night, just kind of like our group does, uh, like Trot, John, John Tross's group hosts uh, a guy down here hosts a big game night once a month where like, you know, probably 20, 20 ish to 30 people show up on a Friday night or something. Well, they do the same thing kind of up in, uh, another part of Virginia, but they are like super house ruley people. Yeah. Like every time I play a game with them, like, okay, this is a really cool game. It's like, now we have a couple house rules. And I'm like, okay. And so we <laughs> were getting ready to play Secret Hitler. And I just stopped and was like, first of all, do you guys have any house rules for Secret Hitler? And they were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, except for this one house rule. And I was like, you can't, you can't apply a house rule to secret. Like, the game is proven it's good. Yeah. Leave it alone.
0: Leave it alone.
1: And uh, <laughs> sure enough, the house rule came up. And I stopped and I was like, I think it might be better not to play the House rule. And they were like, yeah, I think you're right in this in this situation. <laughs>
0: and well, what so, was the House rule?
1: Uh, it was uh, OK. So if you're familiar with Secret Hitler, if uh, presidential campaign, if presidential, uh, uh, what do you call them, like campaigns or just elections, yeah. don't uh, if they fail, if they continue yeah. to fail, you move this little marker.
0: Yeah.
1: And once that marker gets to a certain point, you immediately you just pass you the top over policy. the next
0: bill. Yep, and yeah. then
1: you reset it. Yeah, right. So their house rule was: once it fails, and you immediately pass one, you don't reset it. Every time it fails from that porn, you keep passing.
2: Oh, keep passing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was like, no, 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 no. And that yeah. barrels
2: you towards the bad guys winning. Yeah, every well, time. it totally. the game super
1: fast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It biases it towards um. Towards, because there's uh, like two the thirds of
0: the, the resolutions fascist. are yeah. fascist resolutions, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: So what we were at a, we were at a point in the game where it was a neck to neck. It was like, we, we were at four fascists and four, um, um, what's the other one?
0: Uh, Um, liberals, liberals.
1: liberal, yeah. Four fascists and four liberals. So it was like, whatever one popped next was going to do it. Right. And this was after one had failed. So one came down that equaled it out. So we're like, no, we have to reset the track because this game is too like. You know the 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 social dynamic is is super strong in this game. We need yeah. the extra time to continue to, you know, fight off that cathartic release of the social context there.
0: That's really right. funny that they felt like they needed to house rule something. Yeah, like. yeah.
1: I bet it's just a need to sp- a feel a need to speed the game up sometimes if it goes too long.
2: Well, to the earlier point, if you're doing if you've misread the rule, sometimes you do a house rule to say, oh, this game yeah. would be better, you know, to counterbalance sure. it. And then when you get it right, that teeter totter flips to the other way. Yeah.
1: Now, um, to be fair, I have played many games with these guys where their house rules like actually made sense, like yeah, it actually going. made a game yeah. better. So these these are very experienced gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just in this situation, I was like, eh, maybe let's just play the game.
2: I want all of our listeners to know that Jason is one of the most honest people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> he is terrible at Secret Hitler. He <laughs> is really, really bad, and that's like a really high compliment. Because yeah. if you're good at just like lying, people, if if you're on the bad guy side and you can look somebody dead in the face and yeah, I can't. And, and 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 lie, it's just I mean, and and we've probably known each other too well. That's probably too long. That's part of the problem too. Yeah.
0: Um, there have been, I've never, I've never looked at someone straight in the eyes and lied to them. Right, Jason? No. Uh, Let's just say my
1: wife to this day doesn't trust Justin because of secret Hitler. (laughs)
2: Let's just say we all had a, we all had a, a mutual friend whose uh, you know, first name started with the uh, letter F and the rest, uh, continued with Francesca. Who could lie to me in the eyes every time we played any game, like any game that required that? I I fell for yeah. it every single. They go into the bloodthirsty game mode every single. Yeah. Th- I fell. Yeah, a lot I played, to we and played
1: cash and guns with her once. <laughs> yeah, that was fun.
2: I, I'm not throwing her under the bus, but no, uh, she's
1: just she's a good gamer.
2: Really good gamer. Really yeah. good gamer.
0: In she's in it to win it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that was my geek week. What about you, Justin?
0: Nice. Uh, let's see. Okay. So uh today is the last day of Diablo season two. Diablo four season two. Oh, really? Uh, my today's daughter. The last day, yep. Huh? Today's the last day. A new season's coming out uh tomorrow at about one PM Eastern.
1: Wow, I, I totally think. missed the second season. I played the first it was season. This is a good one. The fr- the, second the second season one. was
0: pretty good. It was like the called the Season of Blood, and it was like a lot of vampire stuff, which was it was pretty good. Um, so my daughter and I, man, we ground through it. And we just got to a point where our characters weren't powerful enough to get kind of those, like, last little bits of things. And we probably needed to do some deeper dives in how to, like, really retool our, our you know, characters yeah. to, to up the level. But we did pretty good. We got up to, I think, my character's level 97 right now or something like that out of 100, you know. So um, it was a good... Uh, a good effort so i think next season i'll pro- i was playing a sorcerer this season i think next season i'll be playing a um maybe a rogue or a barbarian so i did a necromancer in the first game and then um the second one i did a um what did i do maybe another necromancer i i can't remember Yeah, no, anyway, Necromancer Season 2, and then this one was a sorcerer, so I think I'll do a rogue or a barbarian. So we'll do it, you know, just to have fun. We have good times grinding out in Diablo 4. Um, I will say that the, kind of the end game of Diablo 4 was a lot better, in my opinion, than the beginning game. Like, if you can, like, once you finish the campaign, like, some of the things that they unlock with, like, the, you know, like, different dungeons that you can do and stuff like that, like, it it gets more interesting um, as you go along, so... Um, but it's hard because it's kind of a grind to get to that point you know anyway so that's pretty good my second geek week item i don't think i have told any of you this but uh my oldest daughter and i we have kind of this thing that we do when um she comes she gets out of school a little early and i'll take my lunch break like uh like the same time she gets home from school and we'll grab a quick bite for like 30 minutes and we'll watch this guy on youtube named pete um he's a host of the kill pete channel uh kill pete strategy channel and he plays risk online and he like does a whole lot of stuff well he decided um he's a super popular risk internet content provider and so we've been watching risk games for like the last few months and so I decided to enter his Kill Pete Open Tournament.
1: Oh wow!
0: Um, yeah, and play. And I'm apparently I'm an expert level risk player online. Nice. Um. Yeah, which is like squarely in the middle of the pack. It goes like beginner, novice, expert, master, grandmaster, right? So I'm like, or intermediate is before expert. So. Um, I'm squarely in the middle of the pack, and I'm squarely in the middle of the pack of the tournament too right now. I'm ranked um, 960 out of um, 1,700 people.
1: Wow, that's wow. a lot of people in his tournament.
0: Yeah, 1,700. Jeez. Yeah, and actually, it started out with more. There was like 2,500 at one point, but every like, if you don't show up for your game, you get booted from the tournament, right? And so oh, like, wow, we're so it started at like, I mean, you can tell them like, hey, I have a conflict, and they'll work to switch you and get you in but if you just don't show up and don't communicate they'll just like cut you how up, long right? does
1: a game so, take online
0: it depends um i've played games that are over in like 20 minutes and then i played games that are over in like two hours wow. right you find the time so, man? um you know i tell you so where
1: i can mind. find the time i can get rid of this little guy <laughs> <laughs> <find> <laughs>
0: yeah so uh like the progresso so risk has two different like modes generally right which is fixed and progressive and that's like in the board game and it depends on the cards you get right like either they are fixed amounts like you get three cannons you get three horses you get three troops like it'll give you a set amount of guys every time you turn in those games are always inherently longer just because it takes forever the progressive is the first guy that turns in he gets four second six third eight you know fourth ten it goes like 10 12 15 20 25 30 35 40 all the way up right and so like by the time you're turning in a set for 100 cards or 100 troops like the game is going to be over in five minutes you know what i mean just because like it swings really fast and
1: what's crazy is i really don't remember how to play risk like the last time i played risk with dan was in your basement we played like the moon variant
2: yeah yeah which is interesting Risk twenty two. I still have it on my shelf. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, twenty two ten. Twenty two ten. And so you, can can basic, you can play basic. You can play basic risk with the twenty two ten box. Mm-hmm. So I played.
0: All- uh, I played that online. I do like it online. It's it's fast. You're not moving troops and you know what I mean individually and stuff like that. And so um, I uh, I
2: understand exactly what you're doing. In the nineteen nineties, I had a a risk emulator on my dad's Mac. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of his only games and I would babysit my half siblings for hours. And I ran risk. Like I would play a hundred games a night. Yeah. Cause that was the yeah. only game on the damn machine. <laughs> and let me just say, when you run through a few thousand times, you start to see patterns. Right. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah. but that was in the 1990s and I still love it. I, I won't give away my last copy of it, which is 2210 because yeah. I can play the old thing and I can play the new thing at the same time. Jackson, my son, who's 11, is like, "Dad, I think I'm ready to play Risk." And I th- thank you for bringing it up because uh I want to I want to introduce that game. Yeah. Now.
0: I mean, it's fun and um like I enjoy playing it online just because it it goes much faster than in person, obviously, uh, you know, and um uh it's pretty it it gets very strategic, actually, much more than it used to be when I played with my friends. Uh, you know, in the back room of my class in eighth grade, when we got all of our work done, our teacher had a copy of Risk, and we would just like we'd speed through our work, and then we'd just play Risk for a long time. So, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so that was kind of my Geek Week. I had round two um, last a uh, week ago, like the previous Thursday. <laughs> round three is coming up next Sunday. So. Um, I'll be playing in that, and uh yeah, it's fun because my daughter has been watching this with me, and now she'll sit next to me and she's like, "Dad, you're the fish. You're the fish. You gotta get out. You gotta trade in your cards," you know. Or she'll be like, you know, like she's she's a uh, you know, it's my she's my consigliere, my wartime consigliere, with risk. So yeah, we're having so good it's time. good to have another pair of eyes. Good. Yeah, totally. So anyway, so yeah, that's uh oh uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much my geek week. So good times with that. Good times, uh, yeah, awesome. Let's uh, let's move on to our geek news.
2: We can do it. it can our happen. geek
0: news.
2: Welcome to Tabletop and Beyond News. Uh, WotC got caught for using AI artwork again. Uh, They posted on Twitter a number of tweets that they had bought art from an artist who was using AI tools to help assist in the generation of that art. Um, As you all know, you know, uh, Magic the Gathering consumes a ton of art. Every single card they put out has unique art. And so they they are consumers of high quantities. And they have a reputation of high quality as well. So the fact that they um, some AI stuff has slipped in is understandable because of the quantity. But it, based off of what they have been saying publicly before, makes them look a little... Uh, um, um, they have a little egg on the face uh, um, because they have... Uh, defended their no ai policy publicly before and, and it's a good policy artists deserve to be paid especially for a game as financially lucrative as magic The Gathering.
0: so i feel like a company like watsi needs to say we will absolutely do our best to make sure that you know ai art that we're not using ai art I mean, I think you have to hedge just a little bit because, like, this wasn't them directly using it. Like, they didn't, you know, they didn't realize that the artist that they had hired to do their art was using AI art. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, it's kind of like, well, we weren't sure what went into that secret sauce that everybody loved, and we're sorry about that. We just hired, you know, the sauce maker, and we didn't realize. You know what I mean? So, um, I think... Like it, it sucks because Watsi's going to take it on the face because of the rigid stance that they took. And I feel like you can kind of like nuance it a little bit and basically say, look, we're going to do our best to try to vet, you know, and like we're going to try to make sure that every time that we use an artist doesn't have it. But if it does come up, then I don't know. I, I, that's my thought.
2: Yeah. It's, it, I, 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 this is like one of those lose lose situations where mm-hmm. everybody, everybody, walks away taking a punch from this. So I'm, I feel bad about it, but that's what's going on. So if you're going to be putting out project product and charging top dollar and claiming that all the artists are being, yeah. compensated, they have to have a different QA. Um, but guess what? It's very difficult to detect AI, AI in art, especially if it's been brought into Photoshop and it's been Photoshopped mm-hmm. 50 times. If the artist. Starts with the AI and edits it. It's even not much more difficult to detect. So, Right. Um, but considering they have more money than any other game company and the most lucrative game in gamer history, they should figure it out. I, I, have, I have faith in them. They should be able to figure it out.
0: I hate to say this, but I think it's nice and noble that all these companies are saying like, Oh, we don't want AI art, but dude, Pandora's box is open. And it's like the taint is going to be everywhere you know, believe it or not.
2: Uh, You know, to be honest, uh, it, it would be a very efficient way to get very high quality products to market faster. Um, if you don't, not very high quality of mediocre quality, you could get mediocre quality to market a lot faster.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've had episodes on this, but I I think this is an example of, you know, resisting an evolution versus trying to shape the evolution to your benefit. Uh, you know, the the longer and longer that you just fight against that brick wall, that brick wall, you know, that that thing is going to turn into an ocean wave that just takes over you versus early on. If you had said, how do we actually work around this and find a way to find the compromise and the happy zone between then we can all shape its journey together. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's just people are taking such black and white stances on this that it's 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 we're losing we're losing progression that we could have in between. That's my opinion.
2: That's a that's an important opinion. Um, and there's what we're doing today, and now get into a time machine 10, 15 years from yeah. now, and then we'll be like, well, what, what does the world look like then? So yeah. All right, our next news item, uh, Ravensburger, a really uh, big time publisher that has big time contracts. They have a contract with Disney, by the way, and they've put out a bunch of Disney themed games. Mm-hmm. They have a really interesting different product coming out called Chronicles of Light Darkness Falls Disney Edition, which is a rules light RPG based on targeted to younger girls and to introduce role playing games to them where they take on the role of a strong female character from Disney or Pixar. So it's unique in, in, in a bunch of different ways. Number one, it's associated with one of the biggest ip pillars there have ever been right disney going back to snow white right um and it's it's a role-playing game and they're trying to introduce role-playing game to maybe a group of players who would be introduced to d d otherwise and maybe a little older so they're they're targeting this to be a little bit younger to be a story driven game so i i, I think it's it's very interesting. It's interesting that Ravensburger would come out with a role-playing game. They're not known for putting out like
1: mm-hmm.
2: like industrial-grade role-playing games, and not that this one is, but that's not what they're known for. They're they're known for taking an IP and you know putting a game engine on it and making it making it immersive. So um, I think it's interesting, and I think it's it's worth paying attention to if it if it picks up and becomes a big seller. Um, then that means the hobby grows uh, into kind of a, a new market that is probably been underserved to this point. In yeah, I to... bet
0: we had a guest on, oh man, it's been over a year now. Um, Stephanie with TTRPG Kids, mm, and I right. bet she will be all over this. So, yeah, um, yeah, you know.
2: Because, you know, all you'll have to do is watch a couple of Disney or Pixar movies and that's your lore barrier to entry to get into the game. I mean, mean, gosh, that's a pretty low barrier to entry. Much different than coming up with your own IP and trying to spin a role-playing game to kids and saying, hey, you should play this game. When they can say, oh, I just want to go be Tiana or I want to be, you know, one of the Incredibles or something like that.
0: So I'm gonna to choose to be one of the um, characters from um, Inside Out, but then role play it from the movie Inner Space with <laughs> with Dennis Quaid and Dennis Ryan. Quaid
2: and Martin yeah.
0: uh, Martin Short, Martin Short and Meg Ryan. Yeah, that's a classic. So, I like that movie. I watched that I movie. Like, is amazing. It holds up too. By the uh, way, watched I that, am
2: quite old, and I know I saw that in the theater. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so good. Um, anyway, just, just, uh, wouldn't that be a fun, maybe we should buy a copy and as a bunch of farty old 40 plus year old men. We should play it <laughs> and say, 20, oh, 30 so bucks. <laughs> it's only 30 bucks, Only 30 bucks. That's what we said about the, the FFG star Wars box set. Oh, it's only 25 bucks. Let's just, let's just play Next the starter box and see what happens. 10 years later, how many hours have been logged for us in, in that <laughs> game? <laughs> All right, uh, next item of uh, news. For all of those uh, listeners who have attempted Baby Kill Team and have gotten killed playing Kill Team, there is a new skirmish game coming out based on Halo. So um, the multi-billion dollar video game franchise is getting a tabletop miniatures combat game this year thanks to UK games developer Mantic Games. They have a deal with Xbox and Microsoft, and it's going to be a 40 millimeter scale team combat miniatures game. And uh, it's going directly to retail this year in September, skipping Kickstarter. Um, that means they're going to print a product whether or not they know they can sell that product, uh, which is uh, uh, an act of great confidence in the era of Kickstarter, and uh, Indiegogo. Yeah, it is.
0: So if you didn't start hearing the Halo theme in your brain as Dan was reading that, then there's something wrong with you. dun dun, 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 dun right? Um, so Mantic Games has a long history, I'm sharing my screen right now, a long history with uh, tabletop miniature games with some of the best models um, in, like, the Kings of War. Do you remember these, uh, Jason, seeing these? Um, yeah. It doesn't want to do it for me. But, um, yeah, that's pretty good. But I was interested because they have this game Firefight here that always remember, uh, reminded me of um, the uh, Halo game, actually. It's very sci-fi. You see, like, you've got kind of drop ships and tanks and stuff like that. So I think that this is probably the right company to um, take this on. You know, I think that they'll put out some good products. My only concern is that it is going to be freaking expensive because Hellboy the board game was like a game that was like way overpriced for what mm-hmm. it was. A um, like for example, right here, this is the game, and it's a hundred and ten dollars. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it's like oh boy, like that's that's a lot. That's a lot. I you think we I mean?
2: we this, as Games Workshop purchasers will notice there is a crossing the atlantic tax for some of these right yeah. uh shipping you know getting product across the atlantic ocean is is not as cheap as getting it from china
0: yeah like some of these um you can see some of these models like they do a great job modeling so i think that you know like thinking about the covenant and stuff like that and you know some of the Guys that you got to put on there, I think is going to be great. So we
2: we know they can sculpt. We know they're going to be uh, accurate. They're probably going to get access to the three D sculpts from the different games to work with. Right. So um, and and this will not be their first tabletop game. They've got Dead Zone and Firefight and Kings of War and Armada and they've got all kinds of stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, it should be cool. There have been other—I uh, think there have been other Halo products in the past on in on the tabletop board game space. Maybe not a dedicated war game skirmish game, but uh, it is good for skirmish games to see other IPs want to jump into the skirmish game space. Besides what we typically have with you know Star Wars and Games Workshop and a few of the others.
0: Do you think that the skirmish market is becoming a bit saturated though?
2: I will find out with Halo because they have, number one, first of all, it's sci-fi. Second of all, it's it's an IP that m- people are more comfortable with than, let's say, uh, the Warhammer IP. I mean, as far as bringing in new players. Um, so I, I, I'm i bullish on skirmish games. And I think from, I think what you guys, I, I don't know if it was you or it was Salty Sea that we're talking about, a, a lot of the game publishers now are, Making sure they have a skirmish game on for most of their lines, so not just Games Workshop, but a few of the other ones, because the, the the large, you know, massive army, multi-hour game model is is a lot harder to. That's a harder pill to swallow than than a skirmish game, and I think uh, skirmish games are a really good balance of depth and fun and interest and customization. So I'm really biased. I think all my war games I play, with the exception of Legion, would fall under the skirmish game. Uh, uh, classification.
0: Yeah.
2: Cool. Yep.
0: Very good. Very good.
2: Well, that's the news that I have brought.
0: Okay. Excellent. Well, that brings us to our main topic of the evening, which is, again, this lesser-known game, as Vanguard. Um, I'm sure it's actually very popular. Jason's smirking at me. Um, uh, you know, so, uh, Jason, this is your game. This is your Christmas present. Yeah. So why don't you take it away for us and, uh, and, and kick us off?
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So ISS Vanguard, right? So first question is where did this thing come from and who makes it? So awakened realms makes this game. Awakened realms is, uh, one of their probably most popular, well-known games is nemesis. So nemesis is a a very popular game. It's the one that has very strong. A lot of people say it is the aliens game without being aliens, right? Mm -hmm. Feeling like you're in a spaceship or a starship that's been invaded by, you will all wake up from stasis and it's been invaded by some alien and you're trying to keep the spaceship alive while still trying to achieve your objective. And it, it just all goes wrong and they're, you know, hunting you through the corridors and things like that. Um, Another game and that they make and actually Justin you and I demoed this at Gen Con this past year was Lords of Ragnarok. Do you remember that? Oh, did they? Yep. Oh that wow,
0: is... I re- I really like that game. That was yep. fun.
1: So they have um they have pretty good miniatures, but the their games aren't um they're not focused around the miniatures necessarily. Oh. There's there's mechanics and at the end of the, at their heart they're board games, right? And the yeah. minis are there just to kind of give you an aesthetic that you move around the board. Um, but interestingly, you say kind of a small game. So ISS Vanguard was... Well, I uh, said a...
0: little known game. I didn't little say known,
1: little. Little name alone yeah. was not a Kickstarter. It was a game found game. Okay. So, All But right. effectively crowdsourced, right? They raised $4.9 million. When they oh. were first backed, and it was funded in December of 2020 originally. Okay. Um, looking at the, the stats, it looks like it was about twenty about twenty nine thousand people backed it. Uh, backed um, it for about.
0: I, I see eleven point nine million dollars.
1: Oh yeah, oh was that the original or the reprint?
0: Oh, maybe that was the reprint. Yeah, the original was four point nine. You're right. Yeah. So the reprint, though, had 11.9. Yeah.
1: Holy yeah. crap. Yeah.
0: That's, that was amazing.
1: Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It grew in popularity big time. Um, pretty interesting, right? Uh, so <clears throat> I love this game. Let me pull up. Uh, let me share my screen. Share. Uh, it's This is easier when I am an admin, but I'm not an admin right now. So Uh-oh. here we go. Okay. It's, no, need? no, no, that's do fine. You, we got it. We got it. Here we go.
0: Do I need to kick you from the studio?
1: Sure. <laughs> Don't kick me from the studio. <laughs> so here's Awakened Realms' website. Another game that they have, Tainted Grail, The Fall of Avalon. There's actually a video game version of this, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we, but anyway, that's... Um,
0: I believe we played a demo of this two Cons ago.
1: Oh, we might have, yeah.
0: It was a it was pretty metal-like demo booth. Pretty yep. hardcore. Like, I felt like I didn't need to be blasting, like, um, Black Sabbath or something like that
1: yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, ISS Vanguard, you can tell from the aesthetic, right, the beauty of the art there. And I'll say, this game is huge. I mean, it is a. this game was a labor of love to make. There are, I don't even know, uh, may, maybe, like, a thousand cards in this game box. And every card has unique art. Every single one has unique art, unique story on it, elements on it. And they all have this style of art on it uh, as well. You can see kind of down here, right? Like there's detailed minis associated with it. Um, So pull that guy, see if it pulls up, right? So lots of, and that's obviously, I think that's a teardrop paint on it, uh, which when they make games, a lot of their games, you can buy their minis teardropped. Um, or sun dropped. How do they? Is it teardrop or sundrop? I think sundrop. I is think sundrop. Yeah. Yeah. Sundrop. Sun dropped. Um, but uh, these cards. I mean, like here's an example of of the artwork on the cards. Right. And just just gorgeous artwork um, there uh, on these cards, and the dice. All these tons of unique dice. Just tons of unique components. So I will say this: um, this game has a lot of components. Um, yeah, you, you have to really like this. Is the kind of game that I set up in my basement on my table, and I leave it set up in the basement on my table.
0: Still, not as much as Arkham Horror, though.
1: <laughs> no, so uh, yeah, so no, Arkham, it's, yeah, it's on par. <laughs> I, I would say it's on par. Arkham Horror had a lot of individual card decks, um, yeah. but those card decks like all had to be shuffled. They all had to be laid out on the table. And so it was like this arduous chore just to get the game ready to play. Whereas in this game, they probably have the same amount of cards, but um, those cards are all not, they're not all shuffled decks and they're maintained inside their little boxes. And you just get pulled them out of the box when you need them. So it's a, I think it's actually easier to manage the components.
2: I, uh, I would agree. I've been around a lot of games where the game designers, Uh, or or the producers leave the organization to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I would quickly throw FFG under the bus. They have great games with tons of components, but they really don't blink an eye when it comes to helping you organize it compared to some other game companies. And this game, ISS Vanguard, had card boxes with tab cards, right? They had ways that you could... Put the cards in a in a box designed for those cards and you can quickly tab through to figure out where everything goes it's it's actually much more efficient than laying them all out as yeah, as decks totally in a way you probably see in 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 like an, an older Arkham horror game
1: yeah here's an example that that dan was just talking about right you can see the uh these little boxes, and then you've got the tabs that are. These tab cards are just a little bit taller, so they give you a really nice break. So all the recruits, the people you can hire in your crew, are back in here. All of the mission cards are behind this. All of the uh, planetary um, areas you can visit are in. And every one of these cards is unique, has unique art on it. <clears throat> or I would say there might be a handful of them that that maybe reuse things, but it it feels like they're all unique at the end of the day. Uh, with flavor, text, and everything, really, really, just an amazing uh, kind of labor of labor it, of love. It,
2: everything is is very thoughtfully designed. Uh, the thought behind uh, all of these little moving pieces, re- you can tell the people, like you said, labor of love. It's like they didn't walk away from the importance of a strong design yep. um, uh, for the player. It's designed to help the player be successful.
1: Yeah. The, and even beyond all of that they made an app uh, a companion app oh, and yeah. this game is a story immersive game there's like there's like a thousand logs so close to a thousand logs in the game of story elements when you go to one you hit a certain point in the game or you trigger a certain event it tells you open the logbook go to log 598 and read the text and there's like a choose your own adventure there Well, they have a companion app and every single one of those logs is voice acted with sound effects uh, and ever just, I mean, hours of content that have been provided uh, for this game. So in terms of, you know, the quality of the game, the, uh, the, the art, the aesthetic, the components, the box itself, top notch, high quality. I would absolutely have expected this game to cost somewhere on the order of like 200 plus when I bought this yeah, huge box. Yeah, 250. Yeah, 250. And I got it my wife got it for me on Amazon somewhere on the order of about 120 to 130. Uh, it's
2: It's It's a steal. It's hard to tell in the photographs if you're on board game geek just how big the box is and how much stuff yeah. you get. It's def- it, for $125 just in the unique dice alone. I mean, a huge yeah. chunk of that 125 is being chewed up with the uh, the the bespoke dice, the the, the the large quantity of bespoke dice yeah. that come with the
1: game. I could show you, trying to find a, a picture of a box. Here's everything laid out on my desk, how I leave it when I'm playing the game. Um, so you can see, right, like there's a normal size dice that's um, like a standard D6 size. Yeah, dice.
0: 16 millimeter.
1: Yeah, 16 millimeter. And right there's the size of the box and all of this stuff is inside it. It's just, it's huge. The thing probably weighed like 20, I feel like 20 pounds. Uh, and there's of course my phone cause I was using the app on it at the same time, but just a massive amount of content, you know, you've got specialized, specialized several different types of dice that are there that represent your skills that represent injuries that represent, um, danger dice, uh, that you can roll on, you know, tokens for commanding and energy points. Um, Just lots of different components and, you know, kind of take a moment to go through all of them without, you know, just rehashing everything. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to this book, the ship book when you play the game. And this is a three ring binder.
0: Uh Like, I don't know how many
1: games I have board games I have played with a three ring binder in it.
0: Oh, please send more feet pics.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Buy a three ring binder at a grocery store. You'll see, you know, the big chunk of $125
0: is just in the three ring
2: binder.
1: Yeah. This game is so massive. You can save a game. You can save your game like they knew you're going to need to save your game. Every time you sit down to play a session, this game, it's going to be about probably about uh, they say two to four hours. I'm averaging about three hours every time I sit down to play it. So you play it from from start from back forward inside of this book Um, and uh, when you get to the end it tells you how to save your game Um, and you take all of your cards components and put them in this little bag and the next time you come to play you just follow the instruction it tells you how to take them out of the bag and kind of basically reset the entire state of the table so you could pack it up and then come back a week later with the same group of friends and just pull all those crazy amounts of components and set yourself back up to play the game uh, very easily uh, there, I can tell they they put this through a lot of people to figure out what's the best way to to do this.
0: So, okay, so I'm gonna make a comparison between this game and Gloomhaven, which is another one where like you have to play over multiple sessions, right? Very. This similar. game, yeah, this game, in my opinion, was vastly superior to Gloomhaven when it came to pausing your campaign and picking it up again um first off there's a great like i mean you again you follow the instructions you play the game you roll the dice you you know do your thing and then at the end of it like you said jason it says okay now you've you you're at the end of the session either flip back to the beginning and start again or like here's how you save your game right and, and like you talked about um which was great um gloomhaven kind of didn't have that you just kind of boxed it up and i mean you had you had to kind of write down, like, all right, well, we've done... You had a you had a poster that you put stickers on of, like, yeah. these are the places that we went to. And then you would, like, put those stickers in the book. Oh, those are places that we went to. But I found myself a lot of times, especially since there was, like, you know, a couple of weeks between each session that we would play, where I would say, like, what did, what did we do last time? And... Um. wait, did we talk to that guy before or do we do that step before or do we need to do that step again? Because there was like a whole return to town step. Mm -hmm. And um, like you could do that before or after you boxed it up. You know what I mean? And so it was kind of like you had to be like, wait, did we already do that step or do we need to do it again? This leaves no ambiguity about where you end your game. You know what I mean? Like it is there. And then when you pick up, it's literally – Like, you know, put the stuff in the bag and close the box. And now it's like, okay, open up the bag and take the stuff out. You know, so like you're picking up exactly where you know you need to um, to continue your game, which for me reduces a lot of stress and angst. You know what I mean? Because like there's times where you're just like, wait, did I do this thing? I can't remember. And then you think about like, well, am I going to mess it up if I do this again or not? And, And like just having that peace of mind of like, I know I'm starting where I need to is like a big win for me. Yeah,
1: there's enough of um, you can see right here on the side when you first open the book uh, past the save point. There is this kind of this is everything you're going to do. You see where the arrow is. You turn the page and it shows you where you are in the progress. Every time you play a session, you're going to go through. Let me zoom in. You know, bridge. You're going to do some stuff on the bridge of your ship. You're going to go to the star map and fly to different systems um, and do things inside those systems. You're going to take care of some stuff on board, whether you're doing production or science, you know, research or production, hiring new recruits on the ship, dealing with situations on the ship. You're going to go to the hangar and get your lander geared out, get your team all geared out. You're going to drop down to the planet inside the system you flew to, do a bunch of story missions down on the planet, leave the planet, dock, unload all the gear, uh, get a debriefing, put the people that inevitably get hurt down on the planet in med bay. Those who died to the memorial wall, save your game. And if you want to keep playing, start all over. Um, and it seems like a lot every time you turn this page. But really what it's doing is these steps move really quickly. They tell you, here's what you do to get ready to play this this page. And then you get, and it's kind of hard because of my camera light there, but they're, they you know you set up, you open the book, you're going to do a little bit of automation. And then every page has some decisions for you to make. Uh, So I feel like every time I played this game, at first I was worried I was going to feel like I was on rails a lot. Uh, But I don't feel like I'm on rails. I feel like I'm on rails to go to the next thing to do in the ship. But then there's a lot of choices that have an impact um, uh, all the way through all of those situations uh, there. And they use this really cool thing inside this book where they have these card sleeves that represent things like bridge upgrades, right? Like improved solar panels. I get plus one energy whenever I generate energy. I had to like create that by going to undo a planet, finding some research thing, bringing it back, unlocking a production uh, queue, and then eventually pushing that through the production queue and creating this bridge upgrade, which raised my tech level so that now I produce more energy and hopefully along the way, keep the morale of my crews at a level that doesn't give me some problem, right? So... It's just all sorts of really cool things. Um, and it's pushing you through something like a, um, something like a hundred to 200 hour campaign. With and objectives. there's
2: a major expansion too.
1: Yeah. So tons and tons of stuff uh, uh, to do there. So, you, you know, you go to the bridge, you can go to ship facilities and you can spend command points to hire new people and, um, Let me pull back to uh, that one's a little blurry. Here's a production queue where you put you put cards for uh, production projects inside this queue. And then every time you cycle through the book, you slide everything to the right one. And you can do things like apply your crewmates to help push it to the right to push to accelerate production. But essentially these cards kind of move left to right. And then once they pop out, it pops out of the queue and you get the thing on the back of the card. This is uh, a so great mechanic. Like you're really working your ship.
2: This is a great mechanic to to experience time passing. Yes. And investing. It's not like draw a card, play a card. It's draw a card, and mm-hmm. you're going to plant a seed, and you're going to reap that later. And so the choices you make of what you want to research actually, you, when you reap that full benefit, you don't actually know the context of what adventure yeah. you're going to be on. You just know. Gosh, I hope this will help us when we get to the next
0: Vista. Well, which... and and sorry, I was going to say, what I really liked about this too is that when you are on adventures, you sometimes discover something very specific that unlocks a very specific card. You know what I mean? So it's not like you're just um, going through that little thing and rifling through and be like, ooh, this one looks good. This one looks good. I'm going to use this one. It's like the best upgrade first yeah. that I'm going to do. Um, like it's very much like a tech tree based on your discovery and adventure that you do. And, um, they're like, a lot of things are interconnected and stuff like that. And so, um, I cannot even like begin to fathom the thought that went through of being like, okay, well, if they go do this mission, then they get this one, which will then affect that mission, which, you know what I mean? Like the spider web that they had to create, like. Or the flow chart must have been literally the size of a building. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. Like of, of different things that they had, because like it, it really is like quite astounding um, that how, how everything works together.
1: Yeah. So Dan, you said something that really brought the uniqueness of this game out. Uh, Cause I've played a lot of 4X games and the time, the time phasing really felt immersive in this one. You know, yeah. you're coming through here. I'm dealing. All right. I've flown to a new area in this system Let's get some projects installed. I get the project installed. I'm going to go down to the planetary surface and do like two and a half hours of a totally almost different game. Totally have forgot about what's in my production queue. Yeah. And by the next time I, I have that whole adventure down on the planetary surface and come back up to my ship, unload everything and go back to the bridge. Then it's time to see, oh, how did the production queue thing? And I open the book and I'm like, oh, that's right, I was researching this. Let's see what happens when it pops out. It really gives that sense of, hey, stuff's happening up in the ship in space while I'm down on the planet doing things. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, here's an example of uh, the hangar. You know, different landers and ships that you can get. And you can research and unlock new ships. I've only unlocked two right now. But just to give you a sense of the artwork, right? Like you know, one of the first things I think we saw, like, Justin, you saw this and it immediately made you think of Halo, right?
0: Mm-hmm. That's definitely a Covenant drop ship.
1: Yeah. I look at this and I immediately think of uh, of uh, Mass Effect.
0: Yeah.
2: Yep. Yes. this had a very Mass separately. Effect feeling where you're going to the bridge, you do a thing on the bridge, you go around, you know, you have different things to do in the ship. And then you go down to the planet and that happens. And then what happens on the ship changes after you've been down to the planet.
1: Yep, yep. You go down to the planet. When you come back from the planet, you can unload special crystalline things, unique discoveries. If you fill up all those unique discoveries, you unlock a bridge upgrade right here, card B11. So there's just, there's just I like you said, man, it's like the side of a building on mm-hmm. uh, what they had to think of when they were making this. Here's Here's an example of two guys. Notice he's back in. Uh, two guys here that uh, got hurt when they were down in the uh, down on the planet and based on the severity of their injuries they have to kind of slide back in the med Bay queue. So these guys aren't even gonna be available again for another couple runs of missions that i've that I've done. you really just get this awesome sense of time time mattering in the game and then of mm-hmm. course you can save it at the end there.
2: That's so good.
1: So good and let me just throw real quick. When you are uh, moving between systems, there's this little card called your current system. And this is a whole like book, like a comic book that says, hey, let's fly to a new system. And every system has planetary bodies that you can go explore and you can read law. It's hard to see, but you can read logs associated with them all. Uh, Just so much content. I mean, I could see this. Here's an example of the logbook, right? Just massive amount of details in the logbook. Mm And if you don't like reading, cool. There's an app, and they're all
2: voiced over. So it's, and you know, and they're professionally voiced. Yeah, these yeah. are not, not gamers uh, trying to do a uh, cool voice. These are actually actors performers. Yeah, they're, it's very well done.
1: Yeah, let me hit three more components, and then we can kind of get into our thoughts here. But um, when you're getting ready to go down to the surface, you grab the lander that you chose. So this was obviously that first one that I said had kind of a Mass Effect feel, right? And you can load up with um, with equipment, mining probes, and stuff for your guys. You can you can uh, modify the lander to give it you know better navigation, more supplies, more gear. Um, and it you know each lander has its its special things that make it easier for you to get you to the surface. It's good getting to the surface of the planet's a mini game that can go bad. It can go poorly or positively. Um, You can scan the planets to give you hints about things that you want to bring to the planet uh, to make Mm -hmm. it easier to work on the planet. Um, Just, you know, so there's many... Everywhere you turn in this game, there's, like, mini-games associated with it. And then there's your crew. Um, Every time you go down to the planet, you select crew, and you have... There's four types. There's engineering, security, uh, science, and then recon, um, and every one of them has their own specialized dice that you can upgrade and unlock, their own cards, so it's almost a deck-building game a little bit. Uh, when they're down on the surface, they draw cards to help, and you're rolling dice to do dice checks to try to uh, succeed on the planetary surface, which gets to the last component I wanted to hit, and I'm kind of pushing through these, but you guys can go online and watch people play videos and stuff, is the planets is a whole bunch binded book itself for every single surface that you go down to
2: it's spiral bounce you open up the book and it's it's your board for that for that mission
1: yeah and it has um you know it has sectors individual sectors have logs when you make your way to that sector when the book first opens you have no idea what's going to happen when you get there you read the log it'll tell you to pull a card from that box place the card on there now you have to deal with the situation there and those cards can progress through a story on that individual sector, um, yeah. and and they're all connected. They have challenges for moving between um, the every you know. There's unique discoveries that you can have. There's missions. There's global effects like maybe there's a windstorm, and every time you do a dice check, you have to throw a danger dice in there. It's just, I mean, the the planet game itself is almost the planet exploration itself is a game all into itself.
0: Right.
1: Uh, down there. And, it and that offers... itself
0: takes that itself takes like two hours. Like it, yeah. I would say it's the bulk of the session that you run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause you're going through the ship stuff, which is, I mean, it probably takes about a third of the time to get done, but then yeah. the the planet side seems to be about two thirds of the time. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: There's a lot of decisions to make on where to take your guys, how to use their skills together how to tackle the problems and and just make decisions on where i'm going to go and progress the story um and you got to take risks you got to take risks and people get hurt and they got to go to med bay and and uh and, and get back evac- st-
2: out they may, may be stuck in the med bay so you can't use them for your next mission yep yep uh
0: you might you might like on your first turn on the planet take two out of three wounds You know, yeah, I
2: don't know anybody who that happened to.
0: And just have to try to survive after
2: that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, actually, there's one last thing I want to show. Um, going back to this crew deck, right? If you look at this crew card, you notice every crew member, by by the way, every I don't even know how there's like what like two or three hundred crewmen or something, and they're all unique. They all have unique names, unique art. Um, they, they duplicate their um, special abilities, but they've all got flavor text on the back and they have these um, special abilities here. And this guy looks like this card was made to be an engineering card. But in reality, if you look closely, there's a sleeve. You sleeve these cards, these yeah. uh, recruit cards into the engineering sleeve. And Mm -hmm. as they go down to the surface and they do really awesome stuff and they gain experience, you can upgrade them. So I would take this guy out of a sleeve and put him into another sleeve that had two bars, um, which would free this sleeve up to recruit another guy in engineering. So you can really start to build your like on staff crew and you use these staff to accomplish things while you're on the ship. So if I jump to the production queue. Notice these symbols right here. Those are the symbols that match their crew cards. So if I wanted to accelerate my production before I went to the planet, when I had my big stack of crew guys in my hand, I could start applying crew members to the production to accelerate my production. But that means that they're not available to go down to the planetary surface. So you kind of have all these little decisions about how to apply your people to take care of things on the ship or get ready to go down to the surface. And if they go to the surface, they're probably not going to be available to help on the ship until a couple turns have gone as they get better. It just really provides this immersive sense of a living like organism that is your colony on this ship trying to move through space. Yeah, so probably the last, uh, that's probably the last mechanic, big mechanic. I'd that want is
2: to- a really cool, cool, cool mechanic. i I, I like the fact that that's a customization point too because you may find a guy the first time you sleeve him you made him an engineer the second time you play through you you know you make him recon and you you'll discover that maybe he's a way, way better at recon than he was at engineering
0: yeah
2: i had a a character that was sleeved for security who spent the whole entire mission doing science stuff <laughs> and like ignoring her security job but that's how we beat the mission was was i she was selected for the mission because she had biological skills and she was security. Well, push came to shove, and we had to f- complete the mission, not defend our, the troops. <laughs>
0: Sorry, guys. So, so w- you know, it's interesting. You said this has about a hundred to two hours of campaign, right? Like this is very much a campaign game that you play. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it would be considered anything but like you can't. Yeah. I mean you can sit down and run a session but it's going to ultimately be part of the campaign that you're running.
2: Yeah, this is not um, a, so, a a one yeah. board game beginning middle end. Yeah, you exactly. you it, it it I I would recommend against even trying to do that.
1: So yeah. there actually is a mode for it. For um, it. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember I don't remember what it's called but they um they have a name for it and there's a separate thinner book than the log book.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: it's basically like this game in like one to two sessions.
2: One to 10 so if okay.
1: somebody's like, I want to play this game, but I can't commit to like a ton, you could play it in like, if you wanted to, you could play it in one day with a friend yeah. or maybe two. I,
2: and I think a really good question for us is who is ISS Vanguard for? And I have an opinion on that. I think it's for a group Not of- Not for fo- my wife. Not for your wife. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or my OK, so let's say you have a group of four, three or two, three or four people that want to get together and play a board game on the same board game on a pretty frequent basis, weekly or something close to that. And you don't want to run an RPG and nobody wants to be the GM. I own 11 Star Trek, Star Trek Adventures books. In some way, ISS Vanguard, I think, is more rules crunchy than a fully fleshed out RPG um, in some very real ways. So if you want a real crunchy thing where you're going to be customizing your ship and you like that kind of Voyager thing where it's just you guys, you're not part of a fleet, you're alone in the universe and you've got a mission to do to you know, make Earth a better place, but Earth is nowhere near where you are and you got a group of people who want to get together and do that and I, I think that's a really good fit. Maybe people who... Like Gloomhaven is kind of like D and D for people who who just want to do the board game part of D and D and don't right. want to don't want to yeah. do the adventure yeah. and 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 think maybe the role play part is lame of D and D. This is kind of like that, but you're going to be managing a lot more strategy that will pays off over a long term. That I I'm not even sure Gloomhaven has that level of I'm going to do a thing now that'll affect my strategy in future missions. Or, or not not to this extent, I mean, not to this extent, yeah.
0: You you would unlock bonuses, um, you would eventually, um, it's about optimization, yeah, exactly. And you would eventually like retire your character and then start a new one, but you'd have bonuses with it, you know. And so, like, um, this one is very much like it almost feels like a real time strategy game, too, yes, you know what I mean, like, uh, and and, and, production. uh, and so like I've a mass
2: to... effect game where there's a uh-huh. story happening too. Yeah. For yeah. sure.
1: So yeah, I mean you have a limited production queue and you know based on the time phasing it's like well I got 5 or 6 production projects I want. I've only got two queues um and they all start in different places. I don't want to be, you know, if I if I load these up, I'm not going to get to this one for like you know probably like 15 hours of real life time now. Yeah. So you got to make mm-hmm. those choices.
2: Yeah. And, and, and unlike an RPG where people really get attached to their character, you're going to be managing dozens of characters and then they're going yeah. to die. People are yeah. going to, you know, we're getting massively wounded. And so a, a lot of what you're doing is selecting the right people to go do a thing in a way that dropping a meeple is nowhere close to the mm-hmm. level of <laughs> in, the, like dropping a meeple. Ain't no thing compared yeah. to this. This yeah. is like, Okay, uh, you know I'm definitely not going to take so and so with me who could be really helpful. Defeating a uh, w- what was the monster we fought the um the uh, brambles monster, some sort of plant yeah. monster or something. The thicket yeah. monster, carnivorous Carnivorous thicket. Carnivorous thicket. thicket yeah. Man. So, yeah, it is really really good if you like sci-fi exploration, sci-fi not space opera, Star Wars, space odyssey. Like, you're going into the black and you don't know what you're going to find. I highly recommend it. But it's got to be one of those things where you get a little bit of commitment from a cadre of people who want to come back and play with you a bunch of times. Otherwise, it becomes a great unrealized board game you have on your show. That's yeah. Well,
0: okay. Yeah, yes and no. Yes and no. Because as we demonstrated, um, Jason was in the middle of his campaign and we did in people on a in. session with him. Yeah 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 and yeah, yeah. it totally worked it totally worked yes, and so absolutely. what the great thing about this is that you could play Three or four sessions by yourself, and you're like, "Hey guys, come over and play this game with me." Yeah. And you play one session together and still have a great time. And, and you never though,
2: do like, that in RPG. Never, never, never. You
0: couldn't. You can't, right? No. And like, uh, unless it's like some sort of side tangent mission that you're doing, yeah. right? And that's not not even close. It's not the same. And so all Jason had to do with us has been like, "Hey, I've been to these planets before. Here's some of the upgrades that we have. What's our next mission? Let's go." And we're like, "Okay, cool. Like, let's do it." And we were totally in, you know. And so. Um, that I think is actually a huge strength of this game yeah. is that you can pause the game when you're solo playing, and then the next time you have your friends over, you can hit play again and they're in it with you as if nothing had happened, right? Yeah. And you and you play that. So it, and we could have, have never like, seen
2: we remember yeah, that
0: planet when we had the conversation
2: where we said, uh, and Jason, you said, Oh, well, I've been to this planet, I've kind of gotten most of the story out of it, and we had to go back to it for some reason. And you're like, should I reset it? We're like, don't reset it. We want to go back to the planet the way you left it. And that was awesome. Actually, yeah. that was super awesome.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point, actually. When you visit a planet, this game is very good about um, removing cards from the game. So if you, there are a couple planets where if you go down to that planet, when you end the story on that planet, something drastic happens to the planet. And it literally says, remove this planet's landing card from the game so you can never return to the planet,
2: <laughs> right? No.
1: Uh, but that, but when, you, when it doesn't do that, instead it has a tiny little notebook sheet that you actually record the state of the planet on when you leave it, meaning yeah. what planetary cards were in what sector, so that oh, yeah. I could go to five or other different planets, and for some reason, if I wander back here to this planet and I open it, I would pull that card out, and that planet state would be saved from the last time I pl- I was there.
2: Yeah. that's that's a that's a level of depth that you expect from a, a PC console game, you know, right. or a PC yeah. game or a console game that you wouldn't expect from a board game. Not from a which board I think game, is right? very very good. Yeah, it,
1: it gets to a point that I feel uh, to a good point, Dan. Having having probably poured probably about 12 hours into this game so far. I, this game feels a lot like a computer game in a board game fashion. Yeah. Like, like if, if the apocalypse happened and the power went out and we never had power (laughs) again or computers, I could play this game and feel like I was playing a computer game.
2: Yeah. Well, and there's something to be said for being in real space with other human beings playing a board game that is, that has something special about it that you can't get from playing online with other players
0: yeah um so is the I, balance
2: between that
0: yeah definitely i was gonna say okay so earlier i mentioned you know you said jason that it's a 100 to 200 hour campaign it's a 100 to 200 dollars depending on where you find it i mean if you do the math you're you're getting value of about a dollar an hour you know what i mean yeah, which, the msrp guess, is
2: 159
0: which yeah. is crazy uh, so what's interesting is we were just complaining about the hellboy game being 110 dollars I would not complain about this game being $159, like a, a bit, you know, cause like you're, you're going to find the value in this. And um, I put a question in here, Jason, about replayability, but it was almost a little tongue in cheek. Cause I think, yeah. I think if you play this game all the way through, would you yeah. play it again? What do you think?
1: Um, I don't, I don't know because there, there, here's the thing. Um, when I would, if I, if I play it all the way, first of all, if I played all the way through and I put a hundred hours into the game, I'm probably good. Yeah. Right. Honest. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's
0: like, that's point one right there. Right. Yeah.
1: Point two, I though, mean, who is, puts if 100 I
0: did, hours into a board. game? Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs>
1: there's, there's going to be other things to play. Uh, right? but, uh, even if I did say that was so cool, I'm going to do it again. And I would start over. Um, there are choices Different choices you can make in the logbook along the way, but at the end of the day, when you come to a planet, you know what the story is on that planet. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's and it
0: doesn't change. It does. Story won't change.
1: There are there are a couple situations where you can roll a dice to determine what mission you need to do when you're on that planet,
2: uh-huh. but
1: the planet is still the planet, right? Like I still right. know what the challenges are. I know that, but but at the end of the day, it's like that's like eighty to a hundred hours later, right? You know, I I don't know if I would I would need to because I've got 12 hours into the game right now, and mechanically it feels repetitive, but I enjoy yeah. the mechanics. But story wise, like I'm I am trailblazing with every hour, every minute I put into the game. It's yeah. like new logs, new story, new things. 12 hours in still, and I'm only like a very tiny amount of the way through the game.
2: Yeah. So, so what? What I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend this game for someone who likes to have a shelf of a hundred board games and want doesn't and wants to pull a different game down. You know, every every time they play games, and mm-hmm. they don't like to recycle the same game yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you're going to get the full, the full experience of what it's offering.
1: I agree. If you pulled this out, and played it once, and then it didn't, and then it did only came out when a bunch of people came over and picked other games. You, you'd only play it like once every, you know, maybe every few months, and you wouldn't get you wouldn't get your monies out of it.
2: But but I would say in a lot of ways, it's kind of, it, as far as a financial investment, it beats the pants off of any war game that we play. As far as dollars to hour, I mean, really, I mean. This little teeny tiny box of three little guys on horses, you know, is 66% of what you would pay for this gigantic Vanguard box. So um, I I think it's a really high value uh, game. If you know you're going to play it, if if you think you're going to play it five or six or seven or eight times, that would be a very, very efficient investment of a cool sci-fi game.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's great. We recommend it. Highly recommend. And uh, I'm glad to see that they had some expansions out because to me, that's where the true replayability. I'm putting that in air quotes here, right? Is like more planets to explore that's not part of the main story, right? And like, I feel like I feel like this is could be a very winning and profitable model for them because all they need to do is come out with some extra story you know maybe a little notebook and some extra mission cards or something like that um because if you can use your base set of guys you could use you know so maybe some some extra they have a, a, or something
2: a 25 deck of personnel yeah. you can get or for 80 yeah. you can get 80 new characters for 25 bucks yeah that will it'll be very different every time
0: yeah so i think mm-hmm. i think again like you know if you're looking at kind of board game models um you know, an expansion to this game is the right model. Sometimes expansions aren't great for board games. Sometimes yeah. they're like, you know, they, they try to just kind of bolt on some extra stuff, and it doesn't always work. But in expansion here, what you're really talking about is the next chapter of the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the next chapter of the story mm-hmm. that you're telling. And, and I think yep. that that's awesome. And that's exactly what people want.
2: Uh, I would not recommend this. I would not recommend everybody in your gaming group owning a copy. You know, it's kind of like... True. True it's kind of like twilight imperium if we all owned it we never get around to play yeah. that game for 10 hours one guy needs to own it in your gaming group yeah, yeah. um yeah. so that's that is a plus and a minus of it i know there's a bunch of games that we all have dupes of on our shelf because we like to you know they're easy go-tos uh this one i would say you know if you're in the hankering to play iss vanguard and you got to call jason and say jason to run vanguard again
1: because that's yeah. be great yeah um great game highly recommend um if you are especially if you're a sci-fi nerd if you like game if you like anything that deals with you know lots of immersive stories ship management like the game is basically you're managing your colony out on this ship this is the game for you i love this mm-hmm. thing it's right up there with me for Twilight Imperium. I think I think I think I told you this, Justin. Uh, yeah, stop stuttering there. But this game is probably right now my favorite four X ish uh, cooperative game. Whereas Twilight Imperium is still, I think, my favorite four uh, X um, uh, competitive competitive, yeah. competitive game. Yeah. Did
2: we not say that it was co op when we started discussing we, it? Did we did we miss that? I think. Well, if you hadn't
1: gathered that from this point forward, yes, it's not a competitive (laughs) game; (laughs) it is a cooperative game. Yeah. Although I will still also say my favorite fast, faster, uh, slow, low uh, component count um, 4x game is Alien Alien uh, uh, Frontiers. Mm. Not the dice. Not to be confused with the dice game that we all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. alien encounters is that one alien yeah, yeah, yeah. encounters
0: yeah look at
1: no but anyways yes. great game
0: cool awesome thank you for bringing this to attention thank you to your wife for getting this for you yeah was this uh was this on your list that you basically like hey this is the thing that you need to buy me for christmas
1: yeah
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well done yes well done
0: yeah exactly you know, it's like, um, hey, I've got this Christmas wish list. There's only one thing on the list. Exactly. Yeah. I, oh, and I have I, to. I, can...
1: <laughs> I have to correct myself real quick. So, Alien Frontiers is actually the game we hate. <laughs> 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 don't don't get Alien a- and Frontiers. It's Alien Artifacts is. The I word. know. I
2: just looked it up All and right, went, guys, yeah. are we okay?
1: Yeah. No. 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 no alien no. Frontiers. No. That was there, a fact artifact. check right there
0: yeah
2: but. we're gonna bring on the uh alien frontiers uh, game designer and verbally abuse i him. don't think we should ever do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I would I'm go kidding. very badly no yeah. uh, i am we'll very badly i'm
2: joking i'm
0: joking <laughs> yeah 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 all right justin, justin would not do well on that show so, uh, yeah, okay. So, thank you, Jason, for uh bringing this game up. You know, I did not realize, um, that these were the uh, same people that did like uh Castles of Burgundy, that's like a real hot game out right now. Um, they did the Great Wall game that was like like super hot commodity at Gen Con last year, yeah. uh, and so like. I need to pay more attention to this, uh, to Awaken Realms. Like, they're the, you know, they're the publisher of, like, a lot of these games. As you pointed out, Nemesis is, like, their big one. Um, and they're coming out with a new Nemesis, Retaliation. Yep. And so, like, there's just, they've got a lot of, like, you. I'm, like, going through this, and I'm just like, wow, they've got a lot of great-looking games. Um, yeah, just, that, just
2: on the art value alone, everything is mm-hmm. super
0: high quality. Yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, they all look like... I know that that Great Wall box was about the same size as your ISS Vanguard box. And um, so, I think that there's probably a lot of value um, in their games that they do, you know? So, yep. um, very cool. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you, our listeners, to this. Um, if you've got questions... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh, boy. I'm wrapping up, but I'm joking. If you
1: got questions, post them down in the... <laughs> down in the comment sections
0: (laughs) that's true post them down there also click on our discord join our discord then we can really chat about the game in the discord and you can get firsthand, uh you know feedback from jason about how his game is going along with and i'm not going to make any promises but more feet pics from him you know i know some of you people are into that so you know Anyway, uh, hope you love the show. (laughs) For
2: our MP3 listeners, uh, you will not understand the joke, but Jason did a great job of taking pictures of his game board state and his toenails accidentally slipped into the frame. (laughs) Uh, We didn't call him out while it happened. So uh, we're now inviting our MP3 listeners to come into YouTube and take a look at those cuticles. Especially if you're into (laughs) it. So,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, yes i'm human like the rest of you i have feet.
0: exactly it's true it's true all right thank you everybody for listening we hope you had a good time uh give us a like and a subscribe and we will catch you all at the tables have a good night everybody